0: All right, so as we get started, please open up your Bibles. I hope you brought your Bibles. Open up your Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Tonight, uh, we're going to be concluding our time in the Beatitudes. Yes, finally. Uh, We're going to be concluding our time in the Beatitudes. Now, it doesn't mean that we're concluding our time in the Sermon on the Mount. Definitely doesn't mean we're concluding our time in the Gospel of Matthew. We're still going to go through the rest of the Scriptures, but we're finally going to close out this time that we've been spending in the the Beatitudes. Uh, For me, it's been a huge blessing looking at uh, the Beatitudes. And it's kind of accidental that we were kind of spending one night in the Beatitudes at a time, like, or one Beatitude a night. Like, it was an accident. It it, it didn't, I didn't mean for it to happen that way, but obviously God had different plans. But it's been a blessing. It it really has been. I've been, uh, I've been gaining a lot from from my studies. Um, And I hope you all have also been gaining something, something, you know, otherwise, why are we here? Um, But we're finally in the final beatitude. And before we do that, I wanted to give like a quick overview of the beatitudes that we've already looked at. And then we'll get into the the message. So let's just start by reading the beatitudes. Let's read the the beatitudes. We're going to be Matthew chapter five, verses one through 12 is what it says. It says, now Jesus saw the crowds When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in this same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So as we review first things first, what is a beatitude. You know, this word gets thrown around. Uh, for those of you who may not know, uh, beatitude, it comes from the, from the Latin word beatus. Beatus, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but that's the word. Uh, beatus, uh, which is translated to the English word blessed. That's how we translate it. So Jesus is saying beatus are the poor in spirit. Beatus are those who mourn. Uh, so what he's saying is uh, be- yeah, beatus, beatus this, beatus that. So this is the beatitudes. Uh, that's, that's what that means. And so... This blessedness that Jesus is talking about in these verses is is a deep blessedness that comes from God. It comes from God. Um, It also cannot be affected or altered by any outside circumstances or situations. There, There are no unfortunate circumstances that can take this blessedness away. No sufferings, no hardships, or even physical blessings can take away or top the blessedness That Jesus is talking about in these verses. And it starts with the blessedness of knowing your spiritual poverty, knowing your spiritual poverty, knowing that you have no merit or righteousness to offer God. Therefore, you will rely on his merit. You rely on his mercy. You're going to rely on his grace. You're going to rely on his love. And you are blessed because the result of that, of relying on him, is that the kingdom of heaven will be yours. There's only one thing that grants you access into the kingdom of heaven, and it's not your good works. You don't have any. Your good works are not good enough. It's only the work of Christ on the cross. Then there's the blessedness in mourning over your poverty, mourning over your sin, because when you mourn over your poverty and your sin, you will be comforted. You will be comforted. It's beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful thing, and it's, and it's deep, because the, the, the cause of your mourning and your sadness is that, He died for you while you were a sinner, so you feel horrible for continuing in your sin and falling into sin, but your comfort in that mourning and sadness is that he died for you while you were a sinner. So his grace will always abound more than the sin abounds in your life when you fall into sin. And then there's the blessedness of being gentle. The blessedness of being gentle, just as Jesus was gentle. Jesus went to the cross, he uh, leaving his fate into the hands of his father, he didn't seek the best outcome for himself. He sought obedience. He sought obedience. He didn't scream for justice or for his followers to rise up and fight the power. He was silent before his accusers, like a, like a lamb led to the slaughter. And we will inherit the earth with Jesus when we behave in the same way. And then there's the blessedness of being hungry and thirsty, for righteousness. All of humanity is hungry and thirsty for for God and his righteousness. But sin leads us all to believe that our hunger and thirst is for something else. So we chase anything and everything to satisfy our cravings except for God. That's how we are. But those of us in the kingdom, those of us who have had our eyes opened We know that we are hungry and thirsty for his righteousness and we will be satisfied because we are looking to the right place. We're looking at the proper place to be satisfied, uh, for this hunger to be satisfied and this thirst to be satisfied. We're looking to God and he will give us that satisfaction. And then we are blessed when we are merciful, especially since we have been shown mercy by God. We will be blessed because then we will also receive mercy from God when the need arises. It's costly to show mercy. It will cost you something to show mercy, but it will cost you far more if you refuse to show mercy. And then there's the blessedness of being pure in heart, to be single-minded, focused on God, to not have divided attention or affections. We exist for him and him alone. And in this purity, we will constantly be seeing God for ourselves. The confusion of life will fade We will be clearly led of God when we are pure in heart towards him. And then there's the blessedness of being a peacemaker. Making peace with God. Being a bridge of peace between sinners and God. And being at peace with those around us. Being a peacemaker. So long as it depends on you being at peace with all people. And that's the proof. That will be the proof that you are actually his child. And then finally, we come to the last beatitude, the, the, the focus of tonight. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The beatitudes, they begin with the blessedness of of being poor in spirit and you are blessed when you are poor in spirit because then the kingdom of heaven is yours. And it concludes with the blessedness of those who are persecuted for Jesus and they are blessed because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Further driving the point that these verses, these beatitudes, these verses are speaking to those who are in the kingdom of heaven this is the, the, these words are not for everybody. Jesus is speaking to Christians. He's speaking to born-again people, to those who have been saved by grace through faith, which carries with it the implication that is, it's, it's a double-edged sword, this implication. On one side, it's saying, hey, these verses apply to you if you're a Christian. These verses apply to you if you're a Christian, which, which is to differentiate the audience, These words of blessedness are for you, and you alone, believer, they're for you. So on one side, it's saying, hey, these verses apply to you if you're a Christian. But on the other side, it's saying, hey, if you're a Christian, then these verses apply to you. I know I said the same thing. I used the same words, I just flipped them. But... On the other side, it's saying, hey, if you are a Christian, then these verses apply to you, which is to say that these things will be a reality in your life. These things will be a a reality in your life. And so as much as the past Beatitudes that we've looked at apply to you and are true about you, so too does this last Beatitude we're going to look at apply to you and is true about you. One thing that I think is uh, significant to point out is that this last beatitude is the only one that doesn't appear to, ha- uh, to, to be a constant. You know, what, what do I mean by that? All of the beatitudes prior uh, to this one, talking about persecution, they don't have like, like a time constraint. They don't have a specific time and place. Like you're just in a constant state of being. They're descriptions of the character of a believer. Blessed are the poor in spirit blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the gentle, so on and so forth. It's a constant. But this last beatitude, it states, blessed are those who have been persecuted. Blessed are you when people insult you, when people persecute you, when people say all kinds of evil against you falsely. We're not going to be in a constant state of persecution. We're not. This walk of ours, this this relationship with Jesus, it will be filled with many situations and circumstances. We're going to have amazing moments of joy and gladness uh, and, and practical blessings, we will. And we will have tough moments of suffering and hardship, and we will also have scary moments of persecutions and opposition. This is what this life is. This is what this walk is. So with the other Beatitudes, when we find ourselves lacking in a certain area we need to strive to make up for that lack. If we're not being merciful, then we need to repent and we need to strive to be more merciful. If we are not hungry and thirsty for righteousness, then we need to repent and we need to stoke that hunger and that thirst for righteousness. But this isn't the way with persecution. If we find ourselves not being persecuted, we don't go out and then seek persecution. The phrasing seems to communicate that seems to communicate this: that blessed are you when this happens. Blessed are you when this happens. The word can also be translated to whenever, like whenever. So blessed are you whenever you are persecuted or insulted or or lied on or slandered. So Jesus isn't communicating that this will be the constant state of your life in him but that you shouldn't be surprised when it comes. You shouldn't be surprised when it comes. Don't be shocked if you are treated harshly. Don't be shocked if you are insulted or people start talking trash about you. Don't be shocked if people just straight up make up lies about you. But I need to make sure I'm clear about about one thing. Don't be shocked if these things happen to you, but this should only be happening to you for righteousness sake. For righteousness sake. This is what Jesus says. You should only be experiencing these things because of Jesus. You you can only blame Jesus for the persecution or the insults or the slander if you are living out what Jesus was talking about in the previous nine Beatitudes. What am I trying to say? Don't be blaming Jesus for the persecution. Don't be attributing your walk with Christ. Don't be attributing to your walk with Christ the slander and the hate if you're out here misrepresenting the gospel. If you're out here being a jerk, if you're out here being proud and arrogant, you're not out here being gentle. You're not out here being merciful. You're not out here being being pure, In heart and all the rest, don't be out here trying to claim the last beatitude. Oh, I'm being persecuted for Jesus. If you're out here forsaking the rest of the beatitudes, this make sense. Make sense. I hope so, because Jesus is clear. We are blessed when we are persecuted for righteousness' sake. We are blessed when people insult us, or persecute us, or lie about us because of Him. Not because of us, but because of him. We're representing him. We're obeying him. We're we're living out what we read in the scriptures. Because when we do these things, when we we live out the scriptures, when we live out the, the first nine beatitudes, the natural outpouring will be that we are giving people the truth, either through our words or through our deeds. And our deeds should and will inevitably lead to words We will be giving the truth. The truth will be communicated. The truth is confrontational sometimes. People don't want to hear the truth, especially when it goes against their worldview. We don't forfeit the truth in an effort to be received better. We don't. But we are also giving it in a way that is mindful of all that God is calling us to be in the scriptures. I did a a memorial service recently recently. Like two, three months ago, uh, somebody who comes to church here, uh, her boss, her boss's mom died, and so I went and did the memorial service for this person. They don't come to church here. I don't know. Who, I don't know them. I, I talked to the, the the daughter who was mourning the loss of her mom, and you know, they, I don't know if she's a true believer. I didn't know the mom. I don't know if the mom was a believer. Most of the people who were going to be there at the memorials, it's just like a little dinner at a restaurant. I don't know if they were believers, but. We are all called to preach the gospel, even in these situations where there is, you know, a funeral, a memorial service. But a lot of times, not a lot of times, actually, I can't say that, but I know that a lot, sometimes people have a complaint or it's like, why are you, why are you sharing the gospel at a funeral? People are mourning. Why are you talking about heaven and hell and all of these things? And it's just like, yo, you, you got to know the truth. But when I did this, when I did this memorial service, I was, I was very aware of the fact that I was going to be sharing the gospel in a place where people are mourning. And so it wasn't like you're going to hell, repent. Like no, it wasn't that. Like you got to be sensitive to the fact that people are in a or they're in a they're in a specific state. And so the way that I presented the gospel f- for that memorial service, it was just it was very gentle. It was very compassionate. It was very it was very kind. I laid out the facts. I didn't compromise any of the truths of the Bible. I, I spoke about God's commandments, I spoke about us breaking God's commandments, I spoke about the results of breaking God's commandments being sin, and then I also spoke about the cross and God's grace and his love and his kindness. And, you know, I just, that's, that's how I shared the gospel, I was mindful of these circumstances, I wasn't over there being a jerk, you know? And so, so if, if during, if after that, if after I left, people were like, oh, I can not believe that guy? You know, spreading his religion and all you know if they had if they had bad things to say well that for sure is like it's it's persecution it's if they're in, if they're insulting me if they're saying things about me that aren't true because of the truth that I shared even though I shared it in a way that was mindful of of who I'm supposed to be according to the scriptures and the beatitudes and I was sensitive and compassionate and all those things then that's on them that's persecution that's persecution The only persecution situations that we are able to say, man, I am so blessed because of this persecution is when we are behaving righteously, when we are obeying the Lord, when we are experiencing it because of our service to him, not when you are behaving self-righteously or doing things in the flesh. There was another situation when I was freshly saved. I've probably been saved like a year and a half or two years by that time, I'd already, I had already separated myself from my cousins uh, who were into drinking and partying and stuff like that. I'd already separated because all they wanted to do was sin. All they wanted to do was break God's commandments. I wasn't interested in that anymore. And so one night, I think I'd come home from church or something, and my cousin and my, my old buddy, they came by, and I was like, oh, so what are you guys up to? Oh, I just got home from church, and like, oh, yeah, you know, we just, we we're just at this party while we we're getting drunk and all this stuff. And and I don't remember clearly, but I, I, they might have been trying to say it in a way like, <laughs> does this bother you? You know, like trying to egg me on. And, um, and I just remember in that moment uh, just, you know, getting upset. And because I was like, that doesn't bother me, dude. Like, I don't know why you guys are trying to, that doesn't bother me. Uh, but I responded because the, the, the buddy that was in the car, he kind of grew up in the church. So he kind of he knew better. Uh, but the way that I responded was like, I was like what are you guys doing? Like, dude, you of all people should know better. Like, you grew up in the church. What are you doing out here, man? Like, you need to stop what you're doing. And then I was talking to my cousin, like, dude, and seriously, you need to cut it out, man. Like, just like, just like dropping a hammer on them. Now, if after that interaction, they would have been, like, hurling insults at me and just talking trash and all that stuff, that would be completely warranted. That's not persecution. That's, you're being a jerk. You're being, you're being a jerk. You're being unkind. So whatever... Whatever bad things they have to say about you, that ain't persecution. You can't attribute that to persecution. And so I didn't. But, so let's look at a, let's look at a couple of instances of persecution in the Bible to see, to see what it looks like, see what it may look like. In Acts chapter five, if you want to turn there, you can, but you don't have to. In Acts chapter five, we're told that many signs and wonders were, were taking place among the people. Uh, people were coming out Uh, And they were were coming to the Lord uh, for salvation through the preaching of the apostles. The the apostles were preaching the gospel, miracles of healing, exorcism was taking place. Uh, These men were serving the Lord. They were obeying the command of the Lord to go out and make disciples. They were preaching the gospel. But the religious leaders, they became jealous. They became jealous, and they put the apostles in jail. But then that night, another miracle takes place. God just like opens up the prison gates and the apostles just like walk out. <laughs> and the Lord's, just, the Lord's just like, get out and get out, just walk out. And he tells them, go back to the temple and continue preaching and teaching the whole message of life. The whole, just go out, go back, continue preaching the whole message of life. So the next day, the religious leaders, they're like, all right, go, go pull these apostles out out of the jail so that we can question them. But then they're like, they're... Shush. And so, I don't know what that was. Um, and so they go out to... Um, to but they're not there. They're like, where are they? Um, but word comes that they're in the temple and they're preaching. Uh, so they're like, okay, well, bring them back. But this time they bring them back nicely. Because they're like, okay, there's something, there's something going on here. And so they bring them back nicely. And so... Um, they they bring them back and they tell them you guys need to stop preaching Jesus you need to stop preaching this message and so they the 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 apostles they tell the council the Jewish council they said the Sanhedrin they say uh, yeah we're not going to do that uh, we it's better for us to obey God than to obey men so we're not going to stop and so then the council they 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 remove the apostles and they start to talk among themselves and one of the wiser uh, Pharisees of the Sanhedrin he's like hey you know what guys look let's just let's just leave them alone. We, we've seen people come before. We've seen people rise up before who claim to be something. Eventually, the leader dies, and all their followers, they, they fade away. So let's just, let's just wait and see what happens. Let's wait and see if this thing fades away. Because if it fades away, great. But if not, then, hey, man, we might be fighting against God, and you don't want to do that. And obviously, has it faded away? No. But they're like, just just leave it alone. And so they take his advice. They're like, okay, you know what? That's fine. So... What they do is they, they have the apostles flogged. They have them whipped. Um, actually, let's, let's read about that. Um, Acts 540, we're gonna start at Acts 540. It says this. They followed his advice. And after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then released them. So they went on their way. The apostles went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple, and from house to house, they did not stop preaching, teaching and preaching the good news of Jesus as the Christ. So the apostles were arrested, and then they were flogged. They were whipped. Uh, according to uh, Old Testament, uh, they were probably whipped 40 times. You know, uh, the apostle Paul states that he was whipped uh, 39 times on multiple occasions. So they were probably whipped 40 times uh, on their back, with, with they whip. you know? Um, And what was their reaction to this? Well, verse 41, it says that they were rejoicing. They were rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus. What a backwards reaction for this. Like our our minds, our fleshly minds uh, probably have, a not probably, our fleshly minds have a hard time wrapping our minds around this. Um, They were happy. (laughs) They were happy that they got beat with the whips and, and and not only not only they weren't happy not only that they were beat that they were whipped but it says that they were they were happy that they suffered shame you know cuz like uh, you know a, a man a man could be happy a man could be proud of the fact that he took a beating you know you know like you you, 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 you could take a beating you might I mean I, don't, I haven't I've never I don't think I've ever really been in a fight but I would imagine you know, I've wrestled with my cousins and stuff like that. And, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of pride that comes with being able to take a beating. You know, like, you know, my brother used to beat me up all the time, you know, my cousin and all that stuff. So it's like, like, yeah, I took that. Yeah, you, you, can't, you can't keep me down? Like, what's up? You know, like, there's a certain amount of pride that comes with taking a beating because if you're able to stand at the end of it, it's just kind of like, yeah, you still didn't get, you still didn't take me down. But that's not what was happening here. It wasn't that they were like, yeah, I took that beating. Like, no, because... There was no pride involved. It was shameful. It was a shameful thing. There, there, was, there was no respect given. You know, because, like, if somebody, if, some, you know, if somebody gets beat down, the opponent might be like, hey, man, like, all right, respect. Like, you, you took that beating. You know, like, a lot of times when there's boxing matches or MMA matches, like, if someone gets totally beat down, the other person might still have that respect. Like, hey, well, you took it, man. Right on. You got it. I still beat you, but you took it. But there's no pride involved. There's no pride involved. These people, after whipping them, the the council wasn't like, respect, y'all took that beating like men. No, there there was no respect given. This council did not respect these men. It was shameful. It was full of shame. And they were rejoicing. They They were rejoicing. Not only that they got beat, but they were looked down upon. They were rejoicing at that. But it speaks to what Jesus says, In this last beatitude, he said that they would be blessed when this happened. And what happened? They were beaten and they were blessed. They were blessed. They rejoiced. In Acts chapter 7, a disciple named Stephen, he was defending his faith before the council. He gave a little too much truth for them to handle. And so they decided to put him to death by pummeling him with rocks. And as he was getting hit with all of these stones, people were throwing stones at him as he was getting pummeled. He, he, he yelled out, Lord, receive my spirit. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And when he fell to the ground, his last words, they were, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Do not hold this sin against them. He wasn't complaining. He wasn't complaining. He was rejoicing. He saw the heavens open up, and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He was, he was rejoicing. He was okay with it. In Acts chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says this. About that time, King Herod violently attacked some who belonged to the church, and he executed James, John's brother, with the sword. Now, this James, this James and John, these are the sons of Zebedee. These were, they were brothers. They, they were apostles of Jesus Christ. They walked with Jesus while he was doing his earthly ministry. And this was the death of the first apostle. This is the first, this is the first apostle to, to be martyred for the faith, James. And, and this apparently was an experiment on the part of Herod. They say that, that Herod got tired of hearing about these, these Christians, these followers of Christ. He got tired of constantly hearing about them. They weren't doing anything wrong. They were just, they were just making the right people angry. The people with, with power and, 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 and um, influence, they were making the right people angry. And so Herod, just kind of as a, according to uh, this article I, wrote, I read, uh, that Herod is, it was kind of a political experiment. Like, okay, let, 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 let's, have, let's have this guy executed. Let's kill him. And when he saw that, how pleasing it was to his political allies, that, that's when he's like, oh, oh snap, they like that. Right, let's keep going. Let, let's get more of them. But you know, Herod died shortly after that, which is great. Um, but the death of James. This was after the death of Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr for Jesus. The death of James happened after that. So there's no doubt. There's no doubt that being killed for the faith was a definite possibility in everyone's mind at this point. They they saw it happen. Snap. Somebody got killed because they believed in Jesus. It could happen to me. It had already happened. Yet they continued. They continued to share this message of the gospel. Why? Because Jesus had already told them that this was going to happen. He had already told them, not just in the final beatitude, but Jesus told them this in John chapter 15, verses 18 through 21. This is what Jesus said. He said, if the world hates you, understand that it hated me first. It hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of this world, but I have chosen you out of this world, the world hates you. The world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, Jesus said, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, They will also keep your word, but they will do all these things to you on account of my name. On account of my name, because they don't know the one who sent me. Jesus told his disciples that this would happen. And he already told them: blessed are the persecuted, the insulted, the the slandered, because the kingdom of heaven is yours. He told them that in the Beatitudes, and then John 15, just before Jesus went to the cross, he essentially says, like, hey, guys, remember when I said blessed are the persecuted? Well, get ready for your blessings, because they're coming. Your blessings are coming. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. It will not be a constant state of our lives, but we cannot and should not be surprised when it does happen. And this is happening to our brothers and sisters uh, around the globe. It's happening right now, especially in areas where other religions reign. In a, way, in a way, we are fortunate that we live in this country, that we live in this country with the freedoms that we have and you know we don't have to live our lives in constant expectation of persecution. But in a much greater way, in a more significant way, uh, we're extremely unfortunate to live in this country where we don't fear persecution because this makes us lazy. It makes us comfortable. It makes us think that this world is our home. You know, uh, you know I've heard it said that you know, some of the persecuted church around the world, that they pray for us. They pray for the church in the United States and other free countries because we're free from true persecution we're free from from harm you know we're we're free from all these things so we're comfortable and we're, without persecution there's nothing driving us to continue pursuing god so so because we're so comfortable we start pursuing other things it's it is difficult it's been said that it is difficult to be a true believer in a country like this cuz nothing is testing our faith nothing Nothing is testing our faith. Not truly. We live so comfortably here. And, you know, I'm pointing a finger, but I, look, I'm aware that there's three more pointing back at me. We are so comfortable in this country. And the, the persecuted church prays for us because they're like, man, how do y'all know you're saved? You're so comfortable. Nothing's happening. There's a story that I read about a couple in Pakistan. Pakistan name's Shazad and Shama. Shazad and Shama. This, was in, this happened in the early 2000s. So this man, Shazad, he's living in Pakistan with his family, and they're Christians. Christians are second-class citizens in Pakistan. They're not treated well. And he worked as a brickmaker and was basically enslaved to the owner of, of, this, uh, of this plant, this brick-making plant. Uh, eventually he finds a Christian wife. Her name is Shama, and, you know, they're devoted to the Lord. They meet with the church in Pakistan. You know, they're meeting with the body, praying with the body. And uh, one day, the father of, of the family, uh, he he starts befriending the local Muslims and, and, and there in where, where they lived, and he even starts, you know, getting involved in some of the rituals and, and some of the activities that the Muslims are a part of in that area. Um, but his daughter-in-law, Shama, uh, she encourages him, like, don't forsake Jesus. Like you believe in Jesus. You're a believer. Don't forsake him. Keep following him. Um, and it worked. You know, the the man realized like, Oh, what am I doing? Like, no, I, I follow Christ. And this created, uh, this created more resentment towards this family because I mean, it's bad enough that they were Christians, but now they're, you know, they're converting Muslims to Christianity. You know, they didn't realize that this man was already a Christian. Um, they just thought like, oh, this guy's a Muslim, but you're converting him to Christianity. So they, the people in the area, they already, they're just like, they already hated him. But now they hate them even more. And so eventually this dad, he gets sick. His son, uh, Shazad he takes time off of work to care for his dad. But his dad inevitably dies. And when this guy goes back to work after his dad died, they beat him they beat him for taking time off of work, for taking time off of work to care for his, his dying dad. So they beat him. And then they decide that this guy needs to go, but we're not gonna fire him, like he needs to go. And so what they decide to do, the, his, his old boss and the people who, who ran that, that little brick-making plant, they decide to, to, to lie and say that this couple, that they burned a copy of the Quran. And so that's what they do. They they go to the mosque, the local mosque. They go to the leaders and they say, "Hey, this couple, Shazad and Shama, they burned a copy of the Holy Quran." And so, um, before they knew it, Shazad and, and and Shama, their home was surrounded by by more than five hundred Muslims who were seeking to put them to death. You know, meanwhile they're the you know they're in there praying, and um, but as all this is happening, the mosque leader is shouting, they burned a copy of the Holy Quran. We're going to teach them a lesson. And so they, they manage, the, this, this mob manages to get into the house through, through the roof. There was a hole in the roof. They get into the home. They drag uh, these people out, Shazad uh, and Shama. They, dr- they drag them out. And at that time, Shama was pregnant with their fourth child. They had already had three kids, but she's pregnant. But they still drug her out of of the home along with her husband. The mob beats them. The mob breaks their legs. The mob ties them to a tractor and they drag their bodies, their beaten bodies, for over a half hour. And then, obviously, they died. And then they took their dead bodies and and burned them. They, They burned them up. These people were persecuted. This couple was persecuted. They were lied about. They didn't burn a copy of the Holy Quran, the Holy Quran. They didn't burn a copy of the Quran. They were lied about. They were persecuted and they were killed because of their faith in Jesus. They were second-class citizens because of their faith in Jesus because they were converting Muslims to Christianity. There's another story of a man who went to Colombia to work on translating a Bible for a local tribe. And before the translating The translating of the word even began. Um, He was taken hostage by a group of guerrillas in the area. They had two demands. You're going to use your printing presses to print our literature to get our cause out there. And the other thing you're going to do is your whole Bible translating operation needs to get out of Columbia within 30 days. But that wasn't going to happen. That wasn't going to happen. These people went there for a mission from God, to translate the Bible into the language of the people so that the people there could have the word of God and they could read the word of God for themselves. Eventually, the guerrillas shot this man in the chest and he died. They killed him. This man could have bowed down to the guerrillas, to these terrorists, just been like, you know what? All right, that's fine. We'll leave. We'll leave. Just don't hurt us but he was obedient to God first. He was obedient to God first. God sent us here for a reason, and we haven't even begun the work, so no, we're not leaving. And though we don't face these kinds of life-threatening situations here in this country for our faith, what if we did? Like, what if we did? How would you do? How would you, how, how would you do in that situation? How would you hold up at the, the threat of violence and death? Not, not even death, because, you know, in a way, death is easy, because it's over. But how would you deal with the threat of a constant torture? Just constant torture, where death doesn't come so quickly for your faith. Now, before, before you young men start to think, oh, yeah. You, you're going to have to kill me. you going to have, there ain't no way I'm denying the Lord. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. Let me remind you of what Peter said when Jesus told him that Peter would deny knowing Jesus. Mark 14, verses 29 through 31. Peter told Jesus, after Jesus had already told him, hey, y'all are going to scatter, y'all are going to desert me. Peter told, Peter told Jesus, even if everyone runs away, I will certainly not. Jesus says, I assure you, today, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter kept insisting, if I have to die with you, if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And then they all said the same thing, all the disciples. But then what happened? What happened that night? Peter denies knowing Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. So don't be confident in the flesh. Don't be confident in the flesh. Put your confidence in him. You know, Lord, I, I know in my flesh, I don't want to be tortured. I don't want to die. I don't want to be killed. I don't want to be killed in a gruesome way. I, I, I know that my flesh doesn't want these things. So, so you're going to have to empower me. You're going to have to give me the power to be able to do this. Your spirit is going to have to give me the power to be able to do this because I don't want to. That's the place where we need to be. That's the place. You are blessed when you encounter persecution. You're blessed when people insult you because you follow Jesus and you're you're sharing your faith. You're blessed when people make up lies about you because you're obedient to Jesus. And you're also in good company. I mean, Jesus, first and foremost, you're in good company. But you're also in good company with the prophets and the preachers that, that came before you. You're in very good company. God's true children and disciples, they were never received well. They were never received well. You know, people may receive you well at first. People may receive you well at first. They receive Jesus well at first. They, they like Jesus. Oh, yeah, give us some more of that bread and fish. Like, yes. Oh, give me that healing. I like that. But eventually people will turn on you, just like they turned on Jesus. Jesus. Like, you were okay when you were just a Christian, and, and like, you know, you told us that, and you told us you go to church, and you just kind of stayed to yourself. You kind of kept it to yourself. But, now, but now, you're, now you're trying to shove it down my throat. Now, now you're showing me that you're a bigot. Now you're showing me that you're a homophobe. Now you're showing me that you're a, you're a transphobe. Now you're, because of the way that you're speaking, you're showing me whatever accusation they want to throw at you because of their misunderstanding of what the truth is don't be surprised don't be surprised it's going to happen don't chase after it like don't don't try to go over like oh I let me go get persecuted like no like just just doing the thing is enough doing the thing is enough just be truthful with people just be truthful with people while being the beatitudes while, while displaying the Beatitudes to be true in your life. And eventually it will come. Eventually it will. Jesus was truthful and he is the Beatitudes and they hated him. They hated him. When Jesus told his disciples to expect persecution because they first persecuted him, he said it all happened. The, ha- the hatred, all of that stuff, the persecution, it all happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled which says they hated me. For no reason. They hated him for no reason. So just know, you are blessed. You are blessed when you're hit with persecution. When you're hit with insults. When you're hit with slander. You're blessed because of your obedience to Christ. That lets you know that you're in the kingdom. That lets you know that you're in the kingdom. And also know that these people who are persecuting you, insulting you, slandering you, whenever it comes... It's not they're they're not angry or hateful towards you necessarily. Not towards you necessarily. They're really angry with Jesus. They're angry with God and they hate him for no reason. So have that understanding. Have that understanding. And and, and allow that to fuel your your mercy and, and your compassion and your kindness toward these people when they do these things to you. I mean, Jesus said, pray for those who curse you, pray for your enemies, pray for them. If people are, are angry at you and persecuting you and insulting you, talking trash about you because of your faith and obedience to Jesus Christ, it's not you, it's not you. You were once them too. You were, I, I was once them, we were all once them. So have compassion towards them. And just understand that when that does happen, you're blessed. It's proof. Ah, yes, I'm in the kingdom. Thank you, Lord. I heard a, I heard a story that um who was it? It's one of them old timey guys. But is that a word? Is that, that's a theological word. Timey, old timey. Um, look it up. Uh, there's uh, he was uh he was just he was so constantly like persecuted, like so constantly hated. Um, but there was there was a stretch of a few days where he's like, it's like oh I haven't. Like no one's yelled at me, no one's said anything about me in a while, and he, he he got he got scared, so he began to pray He's like, Lord, have I become so so worldly that people no longer see me as you know your follower uh, and 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 apparently as he said those things, uh somebody who hated him threw a rock at him, and the rock like uh it like kind of grazed against his nose and he's like, Oh, thank you, God. Yeah. You, you confirmed that. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm in your kingdom. <laughs> like praise, I praise you for that. Um, so you know, that, that's how we ought to be like the, the persecution, it stings, but Hey, it lets us know that we're in the kingdom. Um, and so before we, before we get back into our closing time of worship, I just want to make sure that, um, I, uh, communicate the gospel again to everybody because the gospel is so beautiful. We, I mean, I'm, I'm never going to get tired of hearing the gospel. And so the gospel, you guys, is this. We are all born dead in our sins and our trespasses. Every single one of us. We're all born enemies of God because of the laws that we have broken. All y'all should know that you've broken all of God's laws. It, it, there's, there's no question. There's no question. There's no question. We've all broken God's laws. And for that reason, we are going to stand before the judge of all the earth. And when he looks at us, he's going to either judge us guilty or innocent. And there's only one. There's only one that could possibly take place. Guilty. He's going to declare us guilty because of the way that we have broken his law. But because God is love, he's not only just and holy, his holiness and his justice will cause him to say guilty, but he's also love. And so he sent his son to die for us on the cross. And when we believe in that sacrifice that Jesus Christ has made, God is saying, hey, what should have been taken out on you, the punishment that should have been taken out on you, I took it out on my son. All's you got to do is believe in it. Yes, God says all's. All's you got to do is believe in it. That's it. And and when you come to faith in that, you also, I also, God speaking, I also expect you to repent. We, we discussed when we talked about mercy, with mercy comes an expectation of repentance. God shows us mercy with the expectation that we are going to repent we are not going to continue living in our sin and breaking his laws willfully. And the way that we are going to be able to do that is that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us when we believe in Jesus Christ. As soon as we come into faith in Jesus Christ, God says, Here you go, I'm going to live inside of you now. And he seals his spirit inside of us. So now we are able to repent. Now we can respond to his call. Now we want to worship him. Now we are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Now we can mourn over our sin. Now we can be merciful. Now we we can be gentle. Now we can be peacemakers. Now we can be pure in heart. And now we know that we are poor in spirit. And now when we experience persecution, I'm in the kingdom, baby. Throw them rocks. Throw them rocks. But it's easy to say it. It's easy to say it. Pray, pray that when the time comes for insults and persecution and and lies about you, that you will endure it with, with the strength and the power of God. Not that you're going to shrink back. Like, I don't like the way they're talking about me. Maybe I should cool off. I had a, um, we, we, we have a, Zeal Young Adults has a YouTube page where we just kind of, we just, there's, we're not doing anything. Like we're just posting stuff. Um, we're not trying to create a community or anything like that. It's just another way to get the word out. And somebody had commented on one of the videos where they're like, you know this this is you know religious extremism is is horrible and and you know religion is okay but you know when you start to value religion over your own happiness and 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 your own relationships that's when it gets a little sketchy you know it's just like man you guys you're so lost like this 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 isn't religion this is life you know i know a lot of people say it's not a religion it's a relationship yeah but I think better is, yeah, this isn't religion. This is life. This is life itself. The the whole message of this life is what God told the apostles to continue preaching when he took them out of the jail. Continue preaching this whole message of life. This is not a religion. It is life. We are alive, praise God, and it's only because of the gospel. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for your word and God, I just pray that as we conclude the Beatitudes and move on with more of the Sermon on the Mount, God, I just pray that, that we would just dwell on these things, reflect on these things, and that, that we would seek to, to you know, we, we are these things already, but that we would seek to be these things, to actually do these things, God. And um, gosh, man, Lord, I just, I just pray, God, for us for us as the body of believers here in this country that is free from persecution or at least the kind of persecution that is harmful physically. We are, we are free from all of these things that many of our brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing on the daily and that will cause us to be lazy and comfortable. We start to think that this life is it. We start to, we start to build our kingdom in this world because we're not facing anything. And so we're bored, and so we think, all right, well, let me, let me build this kingdom here. God, keep us from building a kingdom on this earth, and help us, God, to work for your kingdom that already exists. And I just want to pray for anybody in here. If there's anyone in here who does not have a saving faith in Jesus Christ, you've never made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, or you have in the past, but Maybe you're just, you're, you've are just you fallen back or maybe that confession of faith wasn't real. If, if you want to make a profession of faith now and put your faith and your hope in Jesus Christ for salvation and forgiveness, I want to pray for you. And so I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so that I can pray for you. So if there's anybody in here who wants to make that profession of faith, uh, raise your hand high so I can see it because I do want to pray for you. Raising your hand doesn't save you. Repeating a prayer doesn't save you. Coming forward in an altar call doesn't save you. The only thing that saves you is true faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross. So if there's anybody in here, I'll wait. But if not, it's, it's okay. All right. Well, Lord, as we get into this closing time of worship, I just pray that you would be magnified, that you would be glorified, and um, that we would just sing these songs to you in spirit and in truth.